Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. We're going to begin uh, today preaching from the book of uh, James. And uh, we like to go through a book of the Bible, one verse at a time. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit one verse today, by the way, and uh, out of the book of James. And we're going to begin going through the book of James. Brandon and I will be preaching on it on a regular basis until we complete every scripture, every word, every jot, every tittle in the book of James that uh, will be a blessing to you. So today we begin our journey in there. And uh, James is kind of like the, uh, some of the other books of the Bible start out with the, uh, the name of the author. The first word in the book is the name of the author. For example, if you go into the book of Romans, you have, uh, it starts out Paul. If you go into 1 Corinthians, the first word in 1 Corinthians is Paul. That's the author. If you go into 2 Corinthians, guess what the first word of 2 Corinthians is? (laughs) How about Galatians? How about Ephesians? How about Colossians? Hey, you're you're pretty smart. You don't need me. How about Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians? How about, uh, go eat popcorn, Uh, Colossians? What about that? Paul. Good. What about James? James, that's right, gotcha, didn't I? It's James. So we come to the book of the Bible, starts with James. James had an interesting resume. I like his resume. His big brother, his older brother, was somebody you might know by the name of Jesus. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. He had a big brother, and uh, James and Jesus probably knew the back roads and the alleys and the streets of Nazareth like the back of their hand. And uh, his brother was known as Jesus of Nazareth, his He was the son of the great furniture maker, Joseph, who was uh, married to that little sweetheart, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know about that. And uh, James was the author of the book of James. And uh, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that James had the uh, uh, privilege of speaking to the resurrected Jesus after he was resurrected from life. Uh, Walking there in the city, James had conversation with Jesus. Uh, James was also listed as one who was uh, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the devil was a rushing mighty wind and uh, the Holy Spirit filled the room where they were sitting. They began to speak with uh, other tongues uh, like as a fire set upon them and uh, they began to prophesy and all those things. Uh, Well, James was in that bunch there in the upper room and uh, James was also an apostle. He belonged to the great... uh, Jerusalem church where Peter was the uh, pastor there of the the church of Jerusalem. Remember after the day of Pentecost, Peter got up and he preached that and he said, these men are not drunk with wine as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will uh, will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall vision upon my handmaid and my servants those days. I'll pour out my spirit. That was Peter preaching at the first church of Jerusalem or 3,000 people, Acts chapter 2, that were saved and added to the church that day. And uh, later, when Peter went on the missionary journey to go and uh, speak to the Gentiles, we find that James became the senior pastor, the lead pastor of that great church of Jerusalem. 
And so uh, that church which he pastored in Jerusalem was filled with the Holy Spirit. They were spreading the gospel every day. People were added. The Bible says every day people were added to the church. And uh, the people of the church would go from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship with one another. They had all things in common, Acts chapter 2 says. And they were spreading the gospel. Uh, and, and But when you have a lot of new people coming in when you have people just first of all giving their lives to Jesus Christ just like in the day and age we live today there's some people that don't really know exactly how to live the Christian life and so James wrote the book of James to teach them how to live uh, the the Christian the Christian life and this is one of the things that James said in there he said a person is known to be a Christian only by his behavior. <laughs> the, the, a Christian is known by their behavior. Do you know some Christians that you wonder about their behavior? Huh? Anybody know anybody about it like that? But isn't it wonderful to come in contact with people and say, boy, I, can, I, I know them. The Bible says, uh, and you'll know they're Christians by their love. It, it proves whether he's a Christian or proves whether he's not a Christian based upon... Uh, upon his, his conduct and his behavior. I like uh, over in uh, Jamaica, uh, early on we used to have uh, revival services and missionary trips down there. Guy came from Jamaica and he said, I want to live a life to sing about in my soul. He said, the things I used to do, I do them no more. And uh, that's just the way it is. And so that's the way it is when you come to Christ. You learn how to be a Christian, learn how to walk in the faith. You learn how to come out from the world and be separated. You, need, you learn how to adjust your attitude. You learn how to treat one another. You learn how to think, and on and on and on. Well, James wrote the book of James to teach us and uh, to teach them how to walk the Christian life. Now, this letter that James wrote, the book of James, is not only to the local attenders, but get this, the message uh, comes through concerning the life of the believer. And uh, not only did he write this book of the Bible to his regular attenders, but he wrote this book of the Bible to the people of the di diaspora. Diaspora. And so look at James chapter 1 and verse number 1, <clears throat> and we'll see what the diaspora is. James, this is the first word like Paul in 1 Corinthians, James, that's the author, speaking, introducing himself, is a servant of God. Now, that's one thing we need to learn how to do is how to serve God. It's important that you learn to serve. Nancy Joe and I, my wife, who prayed up here this morning and, and uh, <clears throat> who uh, talked to you about giving offering, uh, we talk about reciprocation. Reciprocation. How many of you like to do something for somebody and like to experience the reciprocation? I like to, to see reciprocation. And uh, it's not that we have to be noticed for everything that we do, but it's nice to be reciprocated. Well, God feels that way too. And so when we pray to the Lord, we say, Lord, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. We used to say it's kids with a bag of popcorn at my feet or peanuts. I should die before I wake. You know, it was from a bellyache. That's what we used to say. But it goes, 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we ask the Lord. We make our petitions before the Lord. And we come boldly before the throne of grace, asking him for help in the time of trouble, in the time of need. But James says, James, a servant of God. A servant of God. So we ask you today, are you a servant of God? Do you ask that you may, your joy may be full and you may receive and et cetera, but do you reciprocate to the Lord? And so we talk about that. We talk a little bit that. Not only do we praise him, but we also go back and we serve him and we obey him as reciprocation for saving our soul and giving his life on Calvary for us. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this next part, the diaspora is right here. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. To the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad. Well, we know about the 12 tribes of Israel. We know how that they came back from being in bondage in Babylon for 70 years. They came back uh, released by Cyrus, king of Persia, that sent uh, uh, Nehemiah back in to build the walls and build the city of Jerusalem to come back, and they rebuilt Jerusalem, all this kind of stuff, and then and on up to the day. Uh, and all these 12 tribes uh, of Israel back there, but uh, all of a sudden they began to scatter. Well, uh, the entire Jewish uh, tribe didn't scatter, but the ones within the tribes that had become Christians began to scatter. See, there was, there was people like the scribes and the Pharisees. You know about them. They were the 12 tribes of Israel. They didn't scatter because they were still hung up in the old traditions of the Old, old Testament and, and law and order and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and the high priest, they didn't scatter. But the, the, the Jewish people that that did accept Jesus as the Messiah and did come and say, you know, be the Lord of my life, there began to become persecution after Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and on in there where there's persecution in the church. And so James said, I'm a servant, a servant of God by introduction. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. This letter is to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad or those Christians that gave their life to Christ and they were being persecuted for it. In other words, believers worldwide, the diaspora equals 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. What in the world happened in Jerusalem that would cause people in the 12 tribes of Israel to scatter all over the known world might be a question that we come up with. There was an awesome revival there. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The greatest church ever was buzzing. People were getting saved every day. They were having water baptisms every day. Jerusalem church had so many people coming in with so many needs that they had to put together a committee of seven great men, one of them which was Stephen, to put on a food ministry like we have in our church here to serve those who are hungry, those who have need. They set up a good Samaritan type ministry and revival began to spread. Why in the world would those Christians have to scatter across the world for the diaspora. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 through 15. I'm going to read that with you today. And the word of God increased. I think you'll find that in any church that's successful, in any church that's roaring with God, any church that's doing something great, is going to be a church where the word of God is increased. 
That's what we do in this church. That's why we're preaching one chapter, one book, one verse at a time, line upon line, precept upon precept. Why? So that you can learn the word of God and that the word of God would increase. And so the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. In other words, the church grew, people started coming. And uh, there was a great company of priests that were obedient to the faith. In other words, there were people within this church that rose up and began to teach Sunday school classes, rose up, began to teach children's church, rose up, began to teach youth, rose up, began to teach Bible studies in their home and etc. The great company of priests were obedient to faith, verse 8, and Stephen. Now, Stephen, the reason I'm talking about Stephen here today is because this is the primary reason why the diaspora took place or why there was a dispersion of the, of the children of God that gave their life to Jesus scattered all over the world. Why was there a diaspora? It had to do, first of all, with what happened to Stephen. Stephen was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and miracles uh, among the people. And then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of Libertines, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and then over Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Did you know every time that there's something great that rises up in the kingdom of God, every time something really wonderful happens, every time things are exciting and everything are going just so, so wonderful, all of a, how many of you know there's always going to be some distraction and there's always going to be some that will come again? Against the moving of God. How many of you know that's true? And so they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which uh, Stephen spoke. And so they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon Stephen and they caught him and brought him into the council. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard Stephen say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly upon Stephen, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Acts chapter 7. Then said the high priest. So we got Stephen in the middle here. Stephen's a brand new Christian. He's one of the seven that the apostles put together in the early church to put together a food committee to serve tables so that the apostles could give themselves to the preaching of the word, studying the word. And so Stephen was one of the assembly there. He was a great child of God. And, uh, but they started accusing him, and they brought him before the assembly of the high priest. And, uh, and they said, the high priest said to Stephen, so what say you? What's your case? Well, one thing you never want to do is ask a preacher a question if you don't want to hear the truth about the answer. <laughs> Anybody ever had one of those things? Pastor, I want to ask you a question. What about this? Well, okay, you ask it, here it comes, you know. The truth will set you free. You know the truth will set you free. And so Stephen goes on and he, he tells the story about how Abraham went out into a land where he didn't know where he was going. God began to work with through him and, and all, all the way through the children of Israel coming through the promised land, all about the children of Israel going through uh, 40 years in the desert and, and Joshua. And, and, and he began to tell all this story. And, then he, and he said, uh, he went on to say that, but during all this time, 
It always happened that when prophets would rise up, they would persecute the prophets and they would kill the prophets. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. I mean, you know, all these guys went through some tough stuff when they said, thus saith the Lord. I mean, you know, when you say, thus saith the Lord and God begins to move, the devil don't like it. You know, the devil didn't like it when you got saved. The devil didn't like it when you find yourself coming in a position where, guess what? You decided, I'm going to follow Jesus, though none come with me. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to follow the Lord. And so the devil doesn't like it when great things happen. And so that's what was happening to Stephen. That's what was happening to the first church of Jerusalem, the church that Peter was the pastor of. And uh, so they took him into council and they were threatening his life. And then, and then as Stephen was telling the story, look what he says in verse number 51. He turned on the high priest, he turned on the scribes and the Pharisees, and he called them, if we can find it up there, verse 51, is it? You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, talking to these judges, you always resist the Holy Ghost, just like your fathers did when Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the Old Testament prophets were, were crucified upside down, were killed, were martyred, were run out of town. You stiff neck and uncircumcised Philistines, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, just like your fathers did, so do you. Boom. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Name one. Was it Isaiah? Was it Jeremiah? Was it Ezekiel? What about Daniel? What about all that? And they have slain them, which showed before, of the, before the coming of the just one. Who was the coming of the just one? The one that was announced by John the Baptist. There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Slain those which come before the coming of the just one of Jesus, of whom the just one, Jesus, of whom you have been now the betrayers and the murderers. You remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate? What did they say? Crucify him, crucify him, right? They crucified him. Now that's the high priest. That's the scribes and the Pharisees who are now judging the first church of the assembly where, which Peter was the original pastor where 3,000 souls got saved in one time. And, the, and men and women were prophesying and speaking with other tongues. And now they were looking in on this when they heard who have received the law by the display and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. We find that all of a sudden the scribes and the Pharisees who said crucify him, crucify him, crucify him were so hot under the collar. Hello. <laughs> when Stephen was telling him all about it, they got so angry with when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Picture this. Picture a courtroom. And here's Stephen standing there all by himself. And he's got all these high priests and all these scribes and Pharisees sitting up here judging him. And he's telling me, you're the stiff neck. You're the ones that, you're the crooks, not me. You're the ones crucified Jesus of Nazareth. You know what they did? They jumped up 
from their desk, went right down to Stephen and started biting him. That's how you deal with your enemies. Take a tetanus shot. So, when they heard these things, I want to, we're getting into the book of James here. You've got to understand the spiritual warfare that we're in as Christians. You've got to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. When you go to your family reunions and you name the name of Jesus and your antagonistic, unbelieving family members start isolating you, persecuting you, make fun of you, hello, not inviting you to the parties anymore. Why is that? It's because you don't wrestle against your relatives. You don't wrestle against people at your work who don't want anything to do with God. It's not between you and them. We wrestle against principalities and wickedness in high places and powers and rulers of darkness. We're, we're fighting, uh, it's a battlefield, not a recreation room. And the book of James wants you to understand that it's very common for the people around you not wanting to have anything to do with Jesus, not wanting having anything to do with church, not wanting to have anything to do with et cetera and et cetera, et cetera. That's why today, even as we speak, our whole state, our whole nation, our whole country is filled with people who love God and people who don't love God who don't give a rip about being in the house of the Lord are playing baseball with their children today because coaches and schools and all these things have moved church, has moved the Sabbath day out, keeping it holy. And they said, no, we're going to have all these things Instead of going down, do you remember when they used to say, no, you're not going to do that, no school activities on Wednesday night because that's church night? Does anybody remember that? I do. Now, like our youth pastor says, now every time you turn around, there's more games, there's more things at school, there's more things happening in the community on Wednesday night so kids can't come to church because if they do, they're going to miss what's going on in school. Come on, church, I want you to know something. James is writing to us. He said, you've got to understand, in this world, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have tribulation. But, but be heads up. I'm going to teach you how to have the victory in the, uh, when you're facing the enemy and all those things come in against you like a flood. You've got to understand how to function as a Christian so that you can live a victorious life instead of being all beat down and all smothered down and covered over. Did you know where your strength comes from? It comes from being in worship session. Of course the devil don't want you here. Isn't it interesting that in the drop of a hat with one TV program, the government can shut down churches just like that? Isn't that interesting? 
James says you got to understand what's going on in this world and you got to understand how to keep yourself on an even keel and how to live on a, 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 on a rightly basis so that you won't get chicken heart serving God, so that you won't get full of fear, so that you won't get full of devastation, that you can be a victorious Christian marching on overcomer. That's what James is all about. Huh. Well, so they bit him, they chewed on him, head to foot, nothing like having a good set of teeth in your kneecaps, I would say. And when they heard these, and but in verse 55, but him being full of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you function in your Christian life like James says you should function, when the things of the word are more important to you than anything else that if God say do, you do. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You'll look up steadily in, fed, steadfastly into heaven and you will see the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? That means you can hear of wars and rumors of wars. You can hear of earthquakes. You can hear of pestilence. You can hear about famine. You, you can hear about rioting. You can hear about wars and rumors of wars. And guess what? It doesn't affect you. You can look boldly and you can see in all things, I am more than a conqueror through him that served me. And James says, you need to learn to walk uh, as a Christian, like a victorious Christian, not like a beat down old wimped over old person that thinks that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The world is not going to hell in a handbasket. Well, that didn't shout nobody down. You know why? Because if you look at the wrong stuff, you're going to think Satan's in charge. But if you look at the right stuff, you'll say, Jesus said, let me, let me tell you something, gang. This is the day that I have made. Go out and rejoice in it. Isn't it interesting? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. All the things that are going on in this world, I don't really like to talk much about it because that's, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I believe that all things work together for good to them, the Lord. I just believe that, that in the end, he's the winner and all things is working together for good. I'm sorry. I just believe the word of God. That's the way I live. I'm not down in the mully grubs. I'm not disappointed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not giving up. I don't think the devil's greater. I don't think the politics are greater. I don't think the world is greater. I I think this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And that's what the book of James is all about. Well, they cried with a loud voice and they, they stopped their ears and they ran up to him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And this is the reason that we talk about the di diaspora. They stoned him. This was just the beginning. It's just like here, for example, if somebody came in here and drugged me out of here and started throwing rocks at me, you know, I'd look up and I'd say, well, so be it. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. And the, and the scripture goes on and says, and so Stephen uh, just g gave up the ghost. But before he gave up the ghost, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He just died and went on to heaven. 
you know, to be absent from the body is present from the Lord. You know, Paul says that's the way it works. Boom, boom, there you are. And so uh, there's no death uh, among the saint. That's what it is. And so if they took me out here in the parking lot and stoned me, and then if they turned to you and they said, and you're next, There'd be a diaspora, diaspora. People would start scattering. Hello. Am I telling you right? And so we have to understand what the diaspora was. And when he kneeled down and gave up the ghost with a loud voice in verse 60, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There was a man standing there by the name of Saul. Remember the story about Saul? This was the first mention of Saul. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church. We talked about that. And they were all scattered abroad, the diaspora. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. You know that. He entered into every house and was pulling men and women out, taking them into prison, Right on up to the time, the last time Saul did this, he got on his little donkey, he got on his little horse, and he rode on into uh, Damascus. He was on the Damascus Road when all of a sudden the Spirit of God uh, smote him and he fell off the donkey. You remember that? And he said, the Lord Jesus came to Saul and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, uh, and, and Saul was blinded and he went on into uh, where to go into Damascus and there Ananias came and laid hands on. You know that story. And so uh, here Saul was persecuting right on up to that day. Saul was his Hebrew name. And his Greek name was Paul. And so he had two names. In the Hebrew land, he was Saul. In the Greek area, he was Paul. And so after he came, he was always known by Saul of Tarsus, until which time he came to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And then he went by Paul the Apostle. And so the scattering of people got out of Dodge by the camel loads full. Because first there was the crucifixion of Jesus. Then there was the imprisonment of Peter and John. And so this is happening, the persecution of the early church. People started getting martyred, and the apostles were forbidden to preach in Jesus' name. The apostles were cast into the streets, and they were whipped and beaten, crucified upside down. You know all that stuff. And now in Acts chapter 7, people would run up to Stephen, bite him, uh, drag him out of the city, and stone him. And that's when there was a diaspora. So many people of the great church, in the city of Jerusalem, they lost everything. They would flee for their life, for fear of their life. They lost their home. They lost their jobs. They lost their friends. They lost all their earthly possessions. You name it, they lost it because they were embracing Jesus Christ. It was the diaspora taking place. So James continued on in the city after Peter went on his first missionary uh, journey to uh, take the gospel to the Gentiles. And James continued on into the city. They had underground church. And then he wrote the book of James so that people who had been scattered all over the world and people in the underground church could figure out 
how to contend with the problems of the day and age around them. Now get that. He wrote the book of James to teach them how to deal with problems in their life, their everyday problems. And so what does that have to do with us today? Well, we have everyday problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have persecution. But he went on and he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so in this world, things will come against you. You might lose house. You might get a car repossessed. You might have your mortgage called in. You might lose your house. You might lose your job. Your company might come in and give you a 10% discount because in your wages because that's what it's all about. You might get your hours cut in half. You might get laid off because of COVID. You might get put in a position where you can't go anyplace. You, you might get in a position where you lost the vacation that you should have had this year. You might be in a position where I was going to go to Panama, but guess what? Now I can't. Well, I was going to Mexico and get a tan, but now I can't. Well, I, are you hearing me today? I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I got four kids running around here. I got to homeschool them. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So James wrote the book of James so they could figure out how to have the victory, even though things are going downhill, supposedly, things are going uphill through Jesus Christ. And so when you feel your back's against the wall, when you feel isolated, when you feel that you get quarantined and you can't stand it, when you feel like things are going against you in such a way you don't even know if you can go to Walmart anymore, you don't even feel like you can go to church, you don't wonder if your kids are ever going to go to school again, you wonder if you're going to be sane tomorrow, then you get into the book of James and it'll teach you how to handle the rocky road. Thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for James that wrote this beautiful book. Because, Lord, so many times we have questions. And so many times fear tries to overcome us. Sometimes doubts come in and we wonder. But your word is a rock. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. You've sent the Holy Spirit as a comforter. You've sent the Holy Spirit as a guide to us that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And Lord, today we thank you for that. We thank you for sending Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. And we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and we come before your courts with praise. We are thankful unto you. We bless your holy name for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that you will teach us in righteousness. We might share your word with others in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.